Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey everyone, it's Jim Galliano, and thanks for joining me for today's podcast episode. It's August 10th, time is really flying by. This is episode 266. If this is your first time here, welcome. If you're a solopreneur, freelancer, or professional who's looking to build an online platform for yourself, market your products or services more effectively, I think you'll really enjoy this podcast. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. You know, just about every other week I get contacted by someone who wants to join me on this podcast interview style. And really, this is a solo cast since it started back in July of 2017, one episode aside, and it's always been just me sharing with you, listeners, and you know, thankfully, I started my business way back in the 1990s because I remember thinking to myself, not that I have anything against interview-style podcasts, but in order for me to keep up with this week by week and run the other aspects, the other parts of my business Without being overwhelmed, I wanted to make sure I left myself a buffer, a time buffer in there. Then I didn't want to go the interview route. However, I realized there are just a lot of interesting people out there. And one of these days, I think I'm going to settle down and contact somebody and say, Hey, would you like to be my second interview on this podcast? So, you know, it's not that I don't want to interview others. It's just that if you've ever done interviews before... Or you know what it's like if you're in business for yourself, just the things that go into time scheduling. The other week I had someone schedule some time with me that I personally knew. And just at the last minute, they backed out of our our meeting time. And I was kind of left hanging there. And I thought, you know, if I interviewed people regularly for this podcast, I'm sure that that would be something that would be happening not just every once in a while, but more frequently. And so it was just when I look towards doing a podcast long term, and the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because when it comes to digital marketing, especially if you're a solopreneur, an individual, then you have to plan for the long term. I mean, it's really easy to start something new and you have all this excitement because it's brand new, but the success usually doesn't come because you started something new. The success comes because you had a new idea you fleshed it out and you work that idea until success began to, just like planting a seed and growing it, success began to develop until you began to experience a return on that effort. But it does take an effort. Now, on this podcast, I like to focus on simplifying the whole process. In other words, instead of doing five different things and kind of being average at all of them, Pick one or two things and do those things really well. And it's hard for people to do. I understand that because there's pros and cons to every single choice you're ever going to make in your life. I mean, you can look at it like that. Well, maybe the I, I shouldn't say every single choice, but when it comes to business, yes, there's pros and cons to everything. Making a dis- decision to do one thing and to do it above average, to do it really well, to become good or even great at that thing means that... That's time that you're not going to invest in doing other things. Just last week, I heard somebody in their 60s talking about how many things they really enjoy doing, but because of 
the one thing that's important to them. They just don't have the time available to them, even in their 60s, kind of sort of semi-retired, maybe. Uh, they just don't have the time to do those things. And that person was saying things like they would like to take up painting, watercolors, or do some woodworking and have a little shop set up where they could do woodworking projects. And they just went down a list of things. And I remember thinking to myself, well, you know, I would like to do some of those things myself. I mean, they really sound interesting. But, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. We all have 24 hours. Not even that because we're sleeping and doing other things that have to be done. Some of the more mundane things. But you have to choose certain things. That means that you're not going to get to do some other things. And I think we all understand that if we're just talking about it, if we're just thinking about it. But when we're actually in the mix, it's so easy to think that you're capable of doing more and doing it at a really professional level than you're actually capable of doing. I think that sometimes you might look at four different things and think, I can do all of these things and I can do them well. But ultimately, something suffers. Now, this is where the, the give and take of solopreneurship versus maybe running a company-style business where you have full-time employees that show up every single day or five days a week or whatever to help you do those other things. But then you're trading maybe some of the freedoms that come with solopreneurship that, like I was just describing with this podcast, the freedom that comes with doing a solo cast means that I don't have to rely on someone else to show up. I can do this podcast at the last minute. I could do it two months ahead of time. I could do it any time in between. Right? But I just had to be committed to doing it every single week. I know some people have done daily podcasts. And yeah, you have to get way ahead sometimes to be able to do that, to not fall into that place where you're falling behind. But I don't want to focus on so much this right now. I'm going to talk about digital marketing for solopreneurs, why it's different and I think you're really going to enjoy this podcast. Um, today's episode is brought to you by OneToManySystem.com. And this is something that I've been talking about a few months now. And why? Because this is what I've been teaching my one-on-one -on -one clients now for about a year and a half. And it covers everything from getting your message straight to creating a webinar to take that message and package it to getting the website built and automating your marketing process. So if you haven't been to one to many system yet, I encourage you to do so because there is a free time-limited offer that's available to you at the end. If you've already listened to the webinar and you want to take advantage of that offer, it is still open. It'll probably be open until, I'm guessing, sometime in early September, in which that free offer won't be available anymore. But I think you're really going to enjoy the podcast. It does take a little bit of time. I think it's between, I don't know, 45 and 50 minutes or something like that. It is under an hour, but I wanted to make sure I explain the entire system from start to finish so that you could see how it could work in your business. There wasn't any mystery there on how the pieces fit together. All right, so today I want to talk about digital marketing specifically for solopreneurs because many people ask the question, whether it's outright online or doing a search on it, how do you create an effective marketing strategy for yourself and your business if you're just one person? Uh, do you need to hire a team? Do you need to hire a temporary team? Uh, can you reach enough people without investing in paid advertising? Or 
If you find yourself asking these questions, I think that what I have to share with you today is going to open your eyes. And I don't want to sugarcoat anything. I don't want to add a gloss or veneer to this topic that doesn't exist. I want to just put it out there as it is. Now, the, the answer to this question is yes, you can build an effective marketing plan, an effective marketing strategy for yourself and your business without a team. But keep in mind that having a team in place, at least initially, doesn't mean that you're employing a permanent group of full-time employees. It doesn't mean that you, because you're a solopreneur and want to stay that way, can't get at least some temporary help. I think you know that, but I'm just throwing it out there for those of you who are brand new to this and haven't gotten started really with anything yet, but are still in the planning stages. Other people or a team, however you want to look at it, whether it's one other person or 10 other people, can help you expedite the building process. Right? That makes sense. Now, the same goes for paid advertising. Paid advertising can speed up the overall process to get your message out there and get it in front of more people faster. However, you do have other options, options that are arguably just as effective, if not more so. And the issue here is time. So five people working on your project means everything else being equal, that it's going to launch faster. Uh, if you're a do-it-yourselfer, of course, it's going to take a little bit longer. Now, paid ads will expose your product and to more people, and it will do it much faster than generating the traffic organically. Think SEO here. So if you're a solopreneur and you find yourself with a mini budget or no budget at all, let's talk about the practical, realistic path to success. All right, so where do you start? Now, if you asked me this question, where do you start back in the 90s, I would have given you a different answer. If you asked me in 2010 or in 2020, I would have maybe focused on different things that I'm going to tell you today. Now, just like everybody else, with more experience, with more time, you begin to see things a little bit differently. You begin to get a certain amount of clarity that you didn't have previously in your business career. So at the point where I'm at now today... I believe I see things in a different light than I saw them even two or three years ago. So I believe the number one thing today to start with, to get clarity on, is your messaging. So let's start there. Your messaging is your message to the marketplace, to the world. Now, people overall value what I like to call transformation. I'm not the only one that calls it that, but think caterpillar to butterfly. Think problem to solution. That's what people are really paying for. Another way to put it would be the before state of someone and the after state of someone. We've seen this for years with topics like weight loss and self-improvement. There's a before state and there's an after state. We've heard about it for years with things like relationships. <laughs> there's the before state and there's the after state. So if you're capable of through your business of taking someone from a before state to an after state, how could you express that in one or two sentences? In other words, what do you do? You take what kind of person in what kind of problem situation and what do you do for them? You help people get from here to there. So now if I was in the health niche, I might say something like, well, I help skinny men in their 20s build muscle and strength without lifting weights. So that's an example of a transformation. Somebody that has a, a guy, let's say, that has a super high metabolism and they want to gain muscle, but maybe they're not a fan of lifting weights. Is there a way to put on strength and muscle without lifting weights? Yeah, there's other ways to do it. Now, we might argue that the other ways aren't as effective, 
But if you really don't enjoy certain types of exercises, you're not going to stick with them. And if you don't stick with them, you're not going to get the result. So the without weight part, the without weights part uh, gives the message a sense of uniqueness in a crowded market. Now, I just picked that as an example of the before state to the after state because I was in that demographic at one time. I was in that niche at one time in my life. I was a 20-something year old guy with a really high metabolism. I wanted to put on weight. I wanted to put on muscle. And of course, you know, your looks are more important to you when you're in your 20s. Well, maybe for most people. But yeah, I was single and I didn't want to stay single forever. So the way, one of the ways I thought that I would up my chances of solving that problem was to put on a little bit of muscle, put on a little bit of weight not look anemic. But for now, stop thinking in terms of the product and the service that you offer. Instead, think of the transformation the product or service brings, because that's really what you're selling. You're selling the after state to people. Now, you can take a high-end sales course, and they will teach you that. Maybe they may not use the same words, but the principle is dead on. Or you can buy a $5 ebook and download it from Amazon on sales, and they'll basically tell you the same thing. That's what you're looking for in sales, the ability to take people from where they're at and identify where it is they want to be and then have a product or service that creates a bridge to be able to get them over the obstacles that's currently keeping them from getting to where they want to be. That's the before and the after. That's the butterfly, the caterpillar to butterfly. Another example we might say is right now, maybe your clients may feel unsure of themselves, but after working with you, they'll feel confident. If you're struggling to think this through, you can go back to traditional niches like health, wealth, and relationships, and think about the worst case scenario in each of those that someone might be facing. Well, worst case scenario, I guess, with health is that you're at the point of death. So maybe not really in that one, but a bad case scenario. Maybe you're out of shape or you don't feel good or you can't participate in activities because you have certain problems that can be fixed. You just have to have a little bit of guidance there. Or wealth, you know, you're struggling to pay your bills or you have a lot of debt or money on your credit cards that you're trying to pay off. And you need some help. Maybe you want to grow a business to get out of it. Or maybe you want to learn uh, investing or, or whatever it is. But you think there's a problem and it has to do with your finances or relationships. You know, you're alone and you, your friends are out there. and They're married or they have significant others in their lives. And you feel like you're just kind of sitting here on your own. And you're like a third wheel when you go out with other couples and you would like to have that kind of relationship for yourself but right now you know it's just you and and a cat or a dog or something like that not to make fun of people like that i'm just saying that i'm looking at the before state and the after state now what is the after state like i mean once you go from that before to after life transforms i mean if you don't have to worry about your health anymore then how would each day be different what would you do that you can't do now? If you had enough money where you were no longer in debt, how would that change how you feel every day when you get up? How would your days be different if you could go out and you could buy things with cash instead of having to rely on credit? Or if you had someone to share your life with, someone you were compatible with, how would that change your life going forward? What would you do that you're not going to do now being alone? 
So when we look at these negative scenarios and we look at where someone wants to go, then from that point on, we're talking about the bridge product or the bridge service to help people get there. Now, your before and after, what you offer to your clients, it may not be something as dramatic as a 400-pound man losing 200 pounds and getting his life back. But you're offering a transformation nonetheless. So think of your products and services in that light. Get clear on your messaging and spell it out in one to three sentences. This is who you help. This is how you help them. And that is the the foundation, your messaging, that everything else is going to grow out of. Next, I would say stay with your strengths. Number two, when you're getting started or even when you're rebooting. You know, a lot of times the things that we're doing currently, the things that we're focusing on, people lose interest in those things and they move on to other things. The marketplace changes. That popular toy of three years ago, no one's talking about it anymore. People have moved on to something else. And with businesses, sometimes we have to reposition our products and our services, right? So if the famous toy or the popular toy is no longer popular, that doesn't mean people get out of the toy business. That means they find which toy people are really excited about this season, this year. I'm just using toys as an example that comes to mind. But you get what I'm talking about. It goes with really any type of product or service. People want new, they want shiny, and they want different. And there's a way to take what you have without doing something completely different and repositioning it in a light where it becomes new, it becomes different, and it becomes fresh. So whether you're starting out for the very first time or whether you're rebooting, what you have to do is examine your skill set, what you have in detail. Now, we already have the before and after transformation concept in place. We already have a statement in place if you've done that. Now, let's say you have your skills. You know what your skill set is. Let's say you know how to write. You know how to make videos. You understand design and so on. So for the sake of your messaging, you're still going to be focusing on the transformation, not those individual skills. And that when all is said and done is your, that when all is said and done, I should say, is your true strength, right? It's not the little skills that you have. It's what the skills when put together can create for someone else. So it's important to, when you're first starting out or when you're rebooting, to ask yourself the question, why are your current clients doing business with you instead of your other competitors? Why are they staying with you? What are the strengths that you bring to the table? So list maybe two, three, four things that your clients value in you. List them in the order from the highest or the most important to maybe the lowest. And maybe there's only a few degrees of separation between each one, but do your best between listing them that way. Now, I remember I did the first time I ever did this, and it was a long time ago, the number one thing that my clients valued in me was that I was reliable. And I was a little disappointed to hear that. Not that I didn't want to be seen as reliable, but I was hoping that there was other more exciting traits about how I did business than reliability. But I didn't realize that in my niche, there were so many unreliable people. People that started the job but wouldn't finish it or they would disappear in the middle of a project and and communications would be cut off and so many little things like that that my clients didn't like that they didn't experience when they were doing business with me because one of the number one things I focus on with clients is communication because I believe that communication or the ability to communicate is arguably the number one skill that you could bring to the table as an online business owner and 
most certainly, I believe, as a solopreneur online business owner, is the ability to communicate. But when I first got started, there were four different skills that I had, and I really wanted to be good or great at these things. But when I combined these skills together, then I would have a certain outcome. But at the time, honestly speaking, I was only good at two of the maybe four things. So let's say there were four things that I really wanted to be good at, but I was only really good at, I was excellent at one, really good at the other, and then I was average to maybe slightly below average at the other two. So I couldn't combine those four things together to get the outcome that I wanted at that point in time. I only had two skills to draw from in my experience at that time. Is that making sense to you? So if you aren't good at doing something, then especially depending on what niche you're in, you really can't fake it until you make it. And so if you're starting to get something off the ground again, it's really important to stick with what you're really good at right now while you're learning these other skills or while you're coming up with solutions to plug the gaps in your own skill set by maybe temporarily hiring someone or automating a process that you're not really good at doing manually. Or in other words, there's a solution that needs to be in place before you can do that. It would be like saying that I have a, a business I want to build homes from the ground up, but yet there's certain things that you don't have access to, materials, connections you don't have. It's impossible for you to do that, to build homes from the ground up and be a full contractor from A to Z. So maybe instead you start out by doing home, having a home repair business or doing a certain type of repairs within the home, like maybe remodeling kitchens. You get where I'm coming from? In other words, there's always a way to take what you currently have and get the most out of it while you do your very best to get those other parts of what you want your business to be in place. But I think it's so important to stay with your strengths when you're first getting started because when you're first building up, your reputation is not at that place yet where your name or precedes you or your reputation precedes you. People don't know who you are. And so you want to do your very best to put your very best foot forward. You can go from good to great much faster if you stick with your strengths. And like I said, yes, you can acquire other skills along the way, but you want to avoid spreading yourself too thin. Next, number three, I think that it's important to define very clearly for yourself first so you can do it for others, your products and your pricing. Now, over time, I've learned the importance of productizing everything that I do. That includes the services that I offer. I view them as products now at the end of the day. And very seldom anymore will I take on a customized type of project. Because with a product, everything is pre-measured, predefined, and priced like a small, medium, and large version of whatever you care to think about, right? We can look apply small, medium, and large to drinks and popcorn at the movie theater, or we can apply it to something a lot more significant, like different kinds of computer systems, mid-range, more expensive, and all out, the premium lot of the line. We can apply it to very expensive items. Now, with some services, depending on what you do, you may find it difficult to price things that exactly 
So you may have to simplify it by creating a base price. So for example, if you build websites, maybe you say we build websites starting at, let me just pull a number out of the air, $1,200 or $1,500. Or if you manage social media campaigns, you may say, well, we start at a certain price per month, meaning that's the base. You don't go lower than that. And then you have your tier pricing from there. People want to know exactly what they're going to get and how much it's going to cost them. I think that's the bottom line here. In the past, you could be vague or somewhat ambiguous about these kinds of things, but in a marketplace where there's a lot of competition, oftentimes if you don't, if you're not upfront with your pricing, you don't make it clear what the person's going to get, then people will just move on to something else. They won't invest the time to dig any further. So specific pricing benefits you as well because you know exactly how much each product you'll need to sell every month or every quarter to hit whatever your financial goals or objectives happen to be. You'll be crystal clear on where you are financially at any given point in time. Now with custom jobs, you never know. Some custom jobs may be smaller, some larger, some in between. There can be a bit of haggling, but when everything's pre-priced, pre-measured, put out there, all of the pricing games kind of can be pushed to the side and you can be direct with your clients and your customers. Now, there is a time for certain premium services, and if that's all you sell, that's a different story altogether. But I'm saying that most businesses are set up in such a way where they can really benefit from having that small, medium, and large product line, service line that's available to their customers. So, And, and also, you can describe why your products are the best choice for your customers in the marketplace today. In other words, you can let them know up front as you describe what you do and how you do it, how possibly maybe you combine certain elements into your package that your competitors don't. Or maybe you have a unique process and you can touch on that a little bit. Or you can just, again, put a combination of things together that are designed to get a specific result and you can talk about why you do it a certain way as opposed to how maybe 95% of your competitors out there do it. So now once you're clear about your messaging, you're clear about your pricing, you're ready to package that message and deliver it to your audience, uh, this is where things break down for a lot of solopreneurs. I mean, you know, half the solopreneurs probably things break down on the front end because they're unclear with their pricing, they're unclear with their messaging, and so their marketing reflects that. But for you, if you have the I's dotted to the best of your ability, the T's crossed, you have a starting point, you can adjust from there, then recognize that there's a lot of marketing styles, there's a lot of options out there on the table for you to use. Matter of fact, sometimes the process of choosing how you're going to market can be overwhelming in and of itself. And this is where I go back to the principle of staying close to your strengths, especially if you're in a place right now where maybe you're a little bit vulnerable. Do you know what I mean by that? What I mean is that your finances may be a little bit vulnerable. Maybe you're hurting financially right now and you're more interested in just getting some cash flow coming through again. Or you're reinventing yourself and... You know, when you're doing well, you can command premium prices. When you're not doing as well, you know, you got to give a little sometimes to get a little. So you can be anywhere in this spectrum. So let's just talk about the marketing styles and the options that are out there. And I'm going to hit this very quickly because I'm aware of the time just passing really quickly today. But I want to look at a few of the different marketing styles and options. Number one is video marketing. Anything that includes video, we can be talking about pre-recorded video, we can be talking about live video, video in courses, video on YouTube, 
Vimeo, all of these other places. Um, video marketing is great for solopreneurs who feel comfortable being in front of a camera and communicating their message through video. If you enjoy recording, editing, uploading, then this is a popular option today. And it may seem like everybody's doing video, but really they're not. Really, it's just what you see on YouTube or some of these other places, it's just, I mean, it's just kind of like a little drop in the ocean when you compare that with how many people out there aren't doing video because they don't feel comfortable or they don't know that they don't have the right skill set or they don't feel like they can put video together. It's just above their head or it doesn't work with their budget. But if you get the tools in place, what are the tools? The camera, the lighting, the software, the initial things that you need to get started, you can absolutely put some distance between yourself and your competitors. Because in all honesty, most of your competitors, the volume of them, are not going to feel comfortable using video. It could be the technology. It could be the time investment. It could be the price tag. It could be a lot of things. But I believe the foundation to success with videos for solopreneurs comes down to a few simple things. First, I have to believe you need to be comfortable with the video making process. That takes a little bit of time, and maybe you're willing to invest the time in learning how to do it. I was. I know for some people it feels too overwhelming, and when things feel overwhelming, usually people do not stick with it. So you do have to have some patience. Video creation and editing is a skill like any other skill. requires a little time and patience to grow as a video creator. We can look at the pros and cons quickly. Video makes it easier to communicate your message uh, and for others to connect with you as a solo brand much faster because the audio video elements working together bring out facets of your personality in ways that are difficult for most people to achieve with text alone, with just images on social media and all of those other places. The cons is that there are and there's the initial investment in the equipment to get started. You don't have to have you know world class equipment to get started. You can start quote unquote on the cheap. But you do need a decent camera. You do, do need some editing software, maybe a little bit of lighting. Maybe you have natural lighting that'll work for now. May not be high-end pro looking, but it'll get the job done. Um, and But those are things, the video creation editing can be time consuming. So there is that initial learning curve. Then we look at things like social media networking. Back in the days of social media, the early days I'm talking about now, Business people spent more time networking on platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn than they do right now. But that doesn't mean, of course, that these platforms are dead or no longer effective. They are. It just means that you have to be willing to spend the time to engage with others and meet others regularly ongoing. Many of you listening to this podcast know exactly what I'm talking about. You've met a lot of people over the years. Many of you have been on you know, five, ten years or even longer than that. And social media today is more of a relationship building medium, which is nice. These relationships can lead to all kinds of opportunities down the road. And this can work well for you even if you're a bit of an introvert because it's not really like live networking where you have to go in your car and drive somewhere or get on a plane and go to a big meeting and interact with people. That requires more time, more effort, more energy, more money. Um, but if you've ever participated in live in-person networking, you know as well as I do that you know you, there's a certain amount of energy that's required there. So, but thankfully, none of this is required for a solopreneur. 
to succeed with networking just through social media. So the pros of it are that you can connect with people you would otherwise never have connected with, people from all over the world. I can say that today I invested a lot of time in social media in the past. It wasn't a waste of time. It kind of sort of feels like it is a little bit today when I compare it to the past. But if it was all or nothing, if I would either have a chance to do it or just uh, pull the plug on it all together, I think it's valuable enough where even if you're there some of the time, I think it's worthwhile to be connected on just basic channels. I would say basic meaning a Facebook, a LinkedIn, possibly a Twitter, depending on your niche. The cons of this, of course, are that fewer people are spending time uh, on social media today, and some people have pulled the plug on it all together. You all know the stories of the negatives surrounding social media, people's mental health, and everything else that's connected with that. I would say that if you can't invest at least a half hour a day interacting with others, then you may find it difficult to find success in the short term on any social platform. Uh, next, looking at some of these marketing tools and options that you have as a solopreneur is SEO or search engine optimization. If you're a creator of any kind, it's worth taking the time to learn the basics of SEO. Uh, what is search engine optimization? I like the, um, I think I got this from the search, en or search engine lands uh, blog a while back. And they said this, it's the process of improving your site to increase its visibility when people search for products and services related to your business on Google, Bing, and other search engines. I like how they left Yahoo out there. <laughs> so let me say that one more time. It's the process of in improving your site to increase its visibility when people search for products or services related to your business. Re increasing your visibility. So even learning the ABCs of SEO can help solopreneurs incredibly for years and years to come. Yeah, things change, but they don't change so much that if you just stick with the basics, you can benefit enormously. Matter of fact, I did some tests over the years with different SEO projects, SEO-related projects, and there are times that I did not cross the uh, T's or dot the I's or anything like that, and the articles that I wrote, the sites that I built still ranked very highly, now, some of those were demoted over time. By over time, I'm talking about a period of seven to 10 years. So I'm not just talking about a matter of months or a few years, but I broke the rules on multiple sites for a long time and still ranked highly for many years. <coughs> Excuse me. When we talk about SEO, of course, we're talking about the long game here. And do you know what I mean by that? The long game, I'm talking about the willingness upfront to invest 12 to 24 months of your business life doing things like content creation. I'm not talking, I'm not saying that it's going to take that long to see results. I'm not saying that you're not going to see anything for at least one to two years. In most cases, I would say on average, I start seeing results by average is month six. I've seen it faster than that, but I wouldn't say that that would be the rule. But you just have to, when we're talking about SEO, Again, what I mean by the long game is we're not talking about instant gratification here. So the pros of that, of course, is if you rank highly on page one, page one content can bring traffic to your website for years to come. It can bring traffic to your offers, especially if they're visible when people are reading the article. I can see right now that I'm already past the 30-minute mark, and originally when I sat down today, my goal was to 
complete my thoughts within the 30 minutes. Whenever possible going forward, I'm going to try and keep these episodes to right around the 30-minute mark. But because this is such an in-depth subject, and I don't want to really break it up into parts, because by the time you listen to part number two, you'll probably forget some of the important information from part number one. I'm just going to go ahead and flesh out the thoughts that I have, and I think it'll benefit you more that way. So if you're listening to me while you're taking a walk or while you're doing exercises or something else mobile, I'm going to keep on keeping on with this subject until I've gone through, I think, the most important parts of it. So let me just briefly mention the pros and cons with SEO to wrap up that thought. Again, the pros are high-ranking page one content can bring you traffic for many years to come. It's not going to require for you to break out your credit card. No budget's required. You just have to be willing to invest the time on the front end to create the content and follow recommendations of the plugin that you use, like, for example, SEO Press Pro, like I use. Now, the cons, of course, obviously, it takes time before your content is going to be picked up. Maybe it's going to take six months. Maybe it's going to take longer for Google, Bing, or Yahoo to recognize you as an authority. But think about it this way. If you're in a competitive niche, or even if you're not, six months or 12 months is going to pass anyway. At least you're going to have something to show for it and something that will benefit you long term. Next thing I want to talk about briefly is podcasting because this is what I do. And remember the context here is that we're talking about marketing styles and options. I'm talking about digital marketing for solopreneurs. And it's so easy to forget that you are a solopreneur or that you are a small business owner and try to do more than you're actually capable of doing, at least at a proficient level. You know, if you had a large company, if you were in a small business, then you would have a marketing department and that marketing department would be responsible for things like brand awareness and getting your name out there. But you would also have a sales department and they would be responsible for making the sales, creating the conversions, selling the products, the bottom line. And so a lot of people, what they don't realize is, is that they're combining two Different activities, although they balance one another, they are two different activities. You're going to combine marketing and sales into a single activity, which means you have to be conscious of more than just brand awareness. You can be on social media all day and create brand awareness. You can send out a, or you could create a, let's say a daily podcast and create brand awareness, or you could blog every week. All of those things are create brand awareness, but unless you keep an eye on some of the things we mentioned earlier, like your products and your pricing, unless you're asking for the sale actively or actively creating offers, then that brand awareness is not going to lead to an increase in your income. See, and that's why we use words like strategy. You need a marketing strategy for a solopreneur styled business or else what's going to happen you're just going to be doing a bunch of things, but they're not going to lead to an increase in your bottom line. And isn't that really what it's all about? I mean, at the end of the day, if you get everything right, but you don't get the sales part right, then what do you have? Do you have a successful business? No, of course you don't. And so if you've taken the time to define what your products are, what the price points are, and how much everything costs. Now think about this. We give ourselves as solopreneurs a lot of leverage Leverage that we would not be on the receiving end of if we were working for someone else. Now, you got to ask yourself the question. Imagine 
that you had a boss and look at the marketing activities, the sales activities that you're currently engaged in. If you sat down with that boss quarterly, four times a year, would you be able to show a definite increase in the, num in the amount of sales that were made as a result of the activities that you're participating in day after day, week after week, and month after month. And, you know, the first time I did that, I was shocked because I did a lot of activities, but none of them really affected my bottom line. Yeah, creating brand awareness is great. It's great that people understand who you are, but that's like having a half-prepared recipe. It's not ready to bring to the table to consume. You have a business, you have a bottom line, you have an overhead. And, you know, if you really want to personalize it, you have loved ones who are going to either benefit or not as a result of you getting this right. That really kind of brings it down to where it is. We all have a limited amount of time. Now, I don't want to turn what would otherwise be a positive into a negative. I just want you to realize that sometimes you have to seriously ask yourself, what am I doing and what changes do I need to make? And that's what I encourage you to do. I want you to look at this topic of marketing from a positive standpoint, not a negative one. I want you to realize that this doesn't have to be difficult. This is something that you can learn. And once you get it, once you get the basics of it, you'll master those basics over time. Now, the only time you have to go back to school again, most of the time is if you change your niche or you change your product offerings altogether and you start focusing on something completely different. And I, I have to be honest with you, I've done that myself over the times and I don't really enjoy the starting over factor. We're not really starting over, but that reinvention process sometimes is necessary because certain things that we focused on in the past the, just the interest is not there to build on that into the foreseeable future. And so you have to adjust with the times. Over the past 20 years, I've done that. Well, it's almost 23 years now, but I have to say I've done that about five times. And every time, yeah, it was a little struggle to reformat things and build new websites and build new messaging. But that's part of the cost of having the freedom to work for yourself and to build something that will benefit you for years to come. Okay, so let's get back to where we were, talking about the marketing tools, the marketing options that are out there. Podcasting, it's a fantastic way to reach people who are mobile more often than not, and I define mobile as being anywhere but at their desk. Now, people can listen to podcasts while driving, walking the dog, working out, and I started my own podcast back in 2017. Back then, I found myself wondering, quite honestly, am I late to the party? Am I late to the podcasting party? I wasn't. Here we are in 2022, and I have to say you are not either. Because podcasting, like video, will still give your content that added element of personality that's similar to video. It just doesn't have that visual aspect to it. But you still can connect in a way, if you're comfortable speaking, and I was, I am, I don't consider myself the ultimate speaker, but I think that podcasting, recording audio is a natural fit for me. Maybe you feel the same way. If you do, then podcasting is worth taking a second look at. Now, from the beginning, I didn't want to commit to recording a weekly interview style podcast. So instead, I started to, I decided to go the solo route to create a solo cast. And that way, I didn't have to rely on the effort that it takes to find interesting guests. In 2017, I primarily used Facebook to promote it, and it worked out great. 
about a year later, people interested in paid sponsorships for my show, for this show, began to contact me. Now, does podcasting require a lot of work or energy? At times it may, because no matter what you do, you're not always going to be firing on all eight cylinders. Maybe some weeks you won't feel good, or some weeks there'll be issues with time. So, for example, you do have to do a minimal amount of editing with an audio file. You may have to add an intro or an outro or a commercial if you're going to sponsor it. I'm just being general here. Maybe you say the word um a lot and you want to edit that out if that's something that you don't want to have in the final product. But I find that editing audio content is easier for me than editing video content. The files are smaller. They're faster to upload. Now, I will say this. It takes time to grow a podcasting audience. But what doesn't take time? You know, in retrospect, it's similar to SEO. It took about a year before my podcast grew roots, so to speak. So the pros are that like video, audio can help you connect and engage with others much faster than text or text with images can. Talking directly to your to your audio audience week after week is a powerful way to grow your brand and to build trust. The cons are, well, there is an initial investment in audio software, a microphone, and a podcasting service to host your audio files. And unless you already have a bit of a following, yeah, it can take a while to grow your audience. Now, there are other options that I could talk about. I'm going to hit on these quickly for the sake of time. Uh, for example, we can build a blog and do blogging. I would file that under SEO and content creation. If you're not a fan of the written word, you can always open up a Google Doc and dictate your articles instead of typing. A lot of people don't realize you can do that. There's other software programs out there, but it's free if you want to use Google Docs to do that, to dictate your articles. I personally use a browser extension called Grammarly. I use the free version. and free version. I've been using that for, I guess, four years or so. And no, it's not perfect, but it definitely helps. It's definitely better than just a spell checker alone. You can start a YouTube channel. You can create webinars or anything else that involves video. Of course, we would file all of that under video marketing. You can focus on email marketing or newsletter marketing. That's content creation again and kind of like a little bit of a different format. But you just have to invest again the time and the energy to create that content. And that's the kind of content that the people in your market will want to subscribe to in order to receive that. I started publishing a monthly newsletter in January called the Digital Strategist Newsletter. It's at jimsnewsletter.com. All the back issues are there. And I found personally that a monthly schedule is much easier to stick with than a weekly one, especially when I'm publishing a weekly podcast. And so like I'm suggesting to you is that you combine your sales and marketing efforts together. So in other words, you don't want to just create content. You don't want to just create awareness. You don't want to just create no like and trust. Somewhere in there, there has to be some kind of an offer that makes the effort to do all the previous things worth your time. Somewhere, you have to have a product and you have to know to meet your financial goals, to meet your financial objectives, how many units you need to sell every quarter or how many units you need to sell every month. That way, 30 days from now, you'll know whether you're on target to hit that goal or not. If your goal is not specific specific enough, what's going to happen is you're just going to be doing activities and the months are just going to peel by on the calendar as they do. And then what's going to happen? You're going to find yourself not really sure of where you are, of what you need to do next. So, all right, let me not beat that one to death. 
let's go on to paid advertising. Now, if you're completely against content creation of any kind, you're certainly not out of luck because paid advertising is an option that's attractive to a lot of solopreneurs simply because they don't have the time, energy, or ambition to go the content creation route. I completely understand that. I have to say I enjoy content creation. No, I don't enjoy it every week. No, I don't enjoy every article that I write. I'm not happy with everything that I do, but neither will you be. Just part of the reality of it. But some people, the thought of sitting down and writing an article, forget about it. Maybe like once a year if they have to. So if that's you, consider paid advertising. It can work well for you, but you still need to have a good list of keywords that you can build your ads around, that you can build your headlines around, because if not, if you don't know how to do that, then you're going to have to invest the time and learn how or pay someone to create an effective keyword list for your products and your services. Also, you must be willing to spend some time daily, weekly tracking the effectiveness of your ad campaigns. Whether you're using Facebook ads, Google ads, etc., you need to have the time and the energy and the effort to track your campaigns. Now, to me, the motivation is there. If I'm going to pay for advertising. If I'm going to pay to have my ad appear, I want to know, is that money giving me a return? Am I getting a return on that investment or not? Because unlike other forms of marketing and advertising, the putting out of money out of your wallet or you know putting your credit card number in there and have that appear as a bill every week and every month, I mean, you feel that. You notice that money going out so you know you need to have i would say an advertising and bu budget in place at the very least for three months if you're going to get started with it if you're just going to play around with it and for a while just to get a feel for it and to be comfortable with it that's fine but when you go into strategy mode and campaign mode you need to be able to sustain that ad campaign at least 90 days i would say six months but I'll go with the lesser. I'll go with three months. And you, if you're going to go pay that, the paid advertising route, you have to be willing to stick with it until it becomes profitable. Because oftentimes when you're just getting started, it's not going to be profitable. You're going to lose some money. A lot of people aren't okay with that. For much of my career, I wasn't okay with losing money and not getting a return on that investment. So all of the above requires some tweaking, it requires some testing, and like everything else, a little bit of time. Now the pros are, when you get it right, you reach the masses and you reach them quickly. You don't have to invest the time in content creation, and if your ad budget is big enough, you can pay someone to manage the ad campaigns for you, which means you're not just selling cheap stuff. Somebody asked me off the top of my head, if you know, is it worthwhile doing ad campaigns? I would say that if you're a beginner, then make sure you have a product that's at least worth $1,000 because it gives you room for error. It allows you to recoup that money a little bit faster. you know. And when I say a $1,000 product, I'm talking about something that's digital, something that gives you a healthy profit margin. There are $1,000 products out there that may have a uh, profit margin of just a few hundred dollars, and that doesn't give you a whole lot of room. So not like a thousand, not like a nine hundred out of uh, let's say a thousand dollars profit would profit margin. The cons are that unless you're going to pay someone to do it and trust someone else to do it for you, you have to learn how the various ad systems work. You have to learn how Facebook ads work. You have to learn how Google ads work. 
There are tools today that make it much easier than it was in the past, but you still have to invest that time. I like the approach where if you're going to pay someone else to do it, uh, I like the approach which is basically like this. You have your fingers in everything, but your hands in nothing. Do you know what I mean by that? In other words, at the very least, you want to have your fingers in what's going on, if not your complete hands. Because even as a solopreneur, you can't just trust people blindly to do what you're paying them to do. There has to be some kind of oversight there. So if you don't understand how certain things work and you're paying people you know, thousands of dollars every month to do things for you, then you want to know, you want to make sure you're not getting ripped off. And that's the problem that a lot of newbies have, whether building a website or paying an SEO company or paying an ad company, that they don't understand even the basics. And a lot of times there's a lot of unscrupulous people in the online services world. They'll see you like as a lamb right in their crosshairs and they'll take advantage of you. Yeah, I would say that it's worth the time and the effort if you're going to do paid advertising to learn how the different systems work and to be willing to manage campaigns yourself or at least know how to do it in case you ever need to step in there. So again, you must be willing on the con side of it to lose some money while you refine your campaigns and your campaign strategy. And of course, finally, if you stop investing in ads, everything potentially comes to a halt. So now if you've never created a digital marketing strategy before, let me give you an analogy of what the planning process can be like. Imagine that you haven't eaten all day and that night you go to one of your favorite restaurants. Everything on the menu looks great. The food can't get to the table fast enough. Matter of fact, if you don't watch out, you know those little dinner rolls that they bring in some restaurants at the beginning, let's imagine that you have them that night. You'll fill up on those if you're not careful. But how many times do you find that your eyes are bigger than your stomach? When you really want something, your eyes are bigger than your stomach, especially if you're hungry. And you overestimate your ability to actually eat whatever you're capable of eating, right? You want more than you can eat. You want more than you could possibly finish. Planning out a marketing campaign can be that way. It's easy to convince yourself that you can do more than you're actually capable of doing. And there just aren't enough hours in the day or dollars in the bank to get it all done, maybe the way you want to do it. But again, like I said, it's not difficult to convince yourself that your case is different. Also, in all likelihood, no matter what you choose, everything will take on average a little bit longer and may seem a little more difficult than you originally anticipated. So you want to be ready for that. But with that in mind, choose one weekly marketing activity that you'll be able to commit to for the next year. Part of marketing, as you know, is building connections with your audience and your marketplace. And most people discover it's faster to do when you have audio or video in the mix. So it was with those things in mind that I chose podcasting as a weekly marketing activity. Now, if you're already running a business and serving customers, then a chunk of your time is automatically dedicated to helping those people, to helping those businesses, to helping those individuals. And you have to keep that in mind as you're planning out your strategy. Think about one of the busiest, most hectic weeks that you've had in the past. And imagine having one of those weeks when you're trying to execute your weekly marketing strategy. That's what I mean about not having, you know, the eyes bigger than your stomach, so to speak. Plan on not being able to do more, but plan on only being able to do a certain amount or plan on less and then be pleasantly surprised if you're able to do more 
instead of the reverse of that happening. You thinking you're going to do five different things, and it turns out you're only able to accomplish one of those five things. So what marketing activity can you do once a week that's dedicated towards building stronger connections with your market, stronger connections with prospective clients and customers? And will you be able to continue that activity or do you think you'll have a good shot at being able to maintain it for one year? That's where I start with my own personal strategies and that's where I start with most clients. Now for years, blogging ticked all of the boxes. It worked really well. And then social media sort of shortcutted that because it put us directly in connection with people who were spending hours and hours a day just communicating online. So it was kind of like a, this gigantic forum. Now, to get away from that, we can look at something like video for today. If a video really appeals to you, ask yourself the question, can I create one video per week? And again, imagine a busy week in which you're being pulled maybe in more directions than you'd like to be. Would you still be able to execute the plan and get that video done in that week? Well, maybe as long as the video was in a smaller as far as time-wise goes, if it was a shorter video. I mean, you don't have to make hour-long videos. Matter of fact, what I've learned from uh, trial and error over time is sometimes it's easier to create three 10-minute videos in order to teach someone a concept or how to do something than it is to create one long 30-minute video. Because your concentration... I mean, no matter how we look at it, it's easier to concentrate for 10 minutes than it is for 20, than it is for 30. And so maybe you create shorter videos and you go with something that's like a playlist instead of just going with long form content. I'm still a big fan of long form content for blogging and for creating articles simply because all of the search engines are also fans. Google, Yahoo, Bing of long form, well-written, informative content. So we've already talked about that. Now, let me explain what a professional marketing plan and strategy would look like. Most marketing plans are broken down into quarterly increments. So in other words, four times a year, the head of marketing is going to sit down with whoever's over them and explain what they've been doing, how they've been doing it, and once what the results are. Just like a sales team would do, maybe monthly, they would do it interdepartment-wise, and then quarterly they would do it with whoever oversees that part of the company. So from a solopreneur's perspective, you're going to break yours down much in the same way. Yes, you have to build brand awareness, but you also need sales. So if you broke it down into a quarterly plan, a quarterly strategy, then you would decide what tools you're going to use to both build awareness or and or build a subscriber base and or sell products. In other words, whatever combination of things you want to have in there, you want it to both market, quote unquote, and sell, quote unquote, those two things together. So we have weekly activities. I know that for a long time, daily activities were promoted by a lot of marketing people, daily emails, daily videos, and so forth. If you can do something daily, I'd leave that up to you. If you want to do it daily, then go ahead. But when starting out, I would consider doing something weekly, having a weekly activity that you keep up with, especially if you're running an existing business and you have existing clients and customers you need to serve. 
So now that weekly activity could be anything from email marketing to creating blog content. Uh, it could be external things like building up your YouTube platform or a platform somewhere else. It can include other things like, um, well, let's just stick with a few simple things that people are aware of. Emails, blogging, video creation, uh, at being active on social media. We could say that's a weekly activity. And so every four weeks, every month, we're going to look back at that activity and we're going to measure whether or not we've had any success for the time that we've invested doing that thing. Now, what is success? Well, success depends on what how your strategy is set up. So, for example, initially success might just be getting new subscribers onto your mailing list or getting new people to view your videos or to listen to your podcast. And that may be the initial goal for the next 90 days. And then after you've built up a little bit of a following, then the strategy may change more to a sales type strategy where you want someone to respond to a call to action that you have in the video or on the podcast or in the blog post or on your social media posts or wherever you are. So you understand how that works. So we have three months, one quarter, which we have a marketing plan. So we may do, again, one activity for that's a weekly activity. So we're going to do that four times. So if we're going to go with, now four times email-wise, isn't that aggressive? Emailing someone once a week is not considered aggressive emailing. So uh, the biggest part there is knowing what you're going to say, why you're going to say it, and what style your communication is going to be. So you can see that emailing is a doable weekly activity. For me, podcasting has been a doable weekly activity. For you, it might be video creation or blogging or something like that. Now, depending on what my activity is, certain activities should yield results a lot faster than others. So for example, if you're focusing on content creation and SEO, you're playing the long game. Naturally, you're not going to see results within the first two to four weeks or within the first few months. But if I am doing an activity where, let's say most of the people who are doing a similar activity or the same activity, if they're getting results within, let's say, four to six weeks, and I'm already completing month number two and I see little to no results, then I know that I either have to change how I'm doing what I'm doing or refocus on something that's a little bit different or, you know, I have to make some changes then. Because, again, we're comparing apples to apples. We're comparing people who are getting short-term results using the same type of method that you're using, but you're not getting that result. Does that make sense? So, for example, if I was going to build a community on a social platform and I see that other people promoting similar products in similar groups have, I don't know, let's say 1,000 people or 2,000 people in their group and I'm still stuck at 20, then I know that I have to change a few things. Maybe my messaging is wrong. You know what I'm talking about? In other words, you have to use a little bit of common sense in here also. You have to realize that when you're connecting and when you're not, and you don't have to wait necessarily 30, 60, or 90 days to come to that conclusion. However, I do like to use that 30, 60, 90 days every month. And I'm not going to tell you that I do this like that I'm always dotting the I's and crossing the T's because I'm not. But some months I'm busy enough. And by busy, I mean I'm serving existing clients and I'm making money. 
Now, there have been times where everything's been dead and I wasn't making money and then I could really just double down on my marketing efforts. But naturally, if you have several big projects going on and they're profitable projects, naturally you're going to find that maybe a daily marketing routine is just not really feasible at this point in time. And even if you did double down to make it happen, maybe the quality of what you put out there really wouldn't be what it would be if you stuck with that once a week type of schedule. So there's a plenty of freedom in here for you to make adjustments. Overall, let me bring this, let me start bringing this to a close and tying up some of the loose ends here. Overall, think of things like this, a weekly activity. That means four times a month, a bi-weekly activity. For me right now, that would be blog posting, uh, of putting bi-weekly blog articles, publishing bi-weekly blog articles again. And so, but doing it weekly, even though I'm capable of doing it, I know the quality would suffer. And so I set it up in my schedule for it to be a bi-weekly project. Now, if something happens work-wise, whereas I just have too many irons in the fire, then I'll pull it back to once a month, maybe for a few months, and then get back to that bi-weekly schedule again. So there's bi-weekly type of activities that you can do along with the weekly ones. And then there's once a month. As I said previously, I have a monthly newsletter that I put out. Now, here's the thing. When you're focused, when you know what your audience can, what they enjoy and what they can benefit from, when you know who you can help, then you can take the same information that you would put, let's say, in video content and create written content from it. Or vice versa, you can take written content and use that to create your video content. That same information can be republished in, let's say, podcast format, or it can be republished in a newsletter. In other words, you don't have to start from the ground up, even though you're using maybe several different approaches in your overall strategy. You don't have to reinvent everything from the ground up. The same information that's in one piece of the puzzle can re be repurposed for another piece of the puzzle. And then every month, at the end of every month, you do a quick evaluation, and then the end of the quarter is where you really sum things up. When you really decide what to do next, what changes that you need to make, and that's what you use the quarterly review for. So I may decide that the next quarter, over the next three months, I need to be a guest on someone else's podcasts. So I'll go out and contact other podcasters. One guest slot per month over the next three months. Or maybe I need to submit a guest post once a month to another bloggers or to other bloggers websites. The key here is to be serious about creating a marketing calendar that you can easily follow. And you can do this with Google Calendar or Outlook or whatever calendar system you want. You can easily integrate this schedule in with an existing calendar system. Set it up so you can hold yourself accountable for getting the job done. Successful business owners at the end of the day hold themselves accountable. And you can do this simply and effectively by creating your own marketing calendar. Seeing something on the list, seeing it coming up, or knowing you have X amount of days to follow through on that activity and finish something, and being able to check it off as complete is the easiest way to avoid things from falling through the cracks. And isn't that what happens so many times? We're well-meaning, we think we can get things done, and then we get distracted. Why? Because we don't have a system that's set up 
to keep ourselves from getting distracted or to get us back on course or that we can recognize where we are versus where we need to be at any given point in time. All right, that's about all for today, my friends. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think it will help a friend, please go ahead and share the episode link with them or send them to jimgalliano.com forward slash podcast. All the back episodes can be found there as well. And as always, I appreciate your sharing of this podcast, whether it's the whole podcast or specific episode links. It really does help me to reach people who would otherwise be very difficult to reach. So thanks again for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and I'll talk to you later. Bye.